This is an ABC podcast. Women are going to be the ones that will change the face of economy for PNG. You look at the market and, and just see what are the gaps that are there because those gaps, you know, they're business opportunities. A lot of our information that we've gotten is from other ladies, like at the markets that we used to sell at. And just people are more than willing to share their ideas and help and tips. Sisters, if you could be your own boss, what sort of business would you run? I live in a beautiful coastal city outside of Melbourne called Geelong, and seeing the waterfront coffee shops makes me think about opening up one myself. I'd sell PNG coffee and maybe bake fresh corns and cakes to go with that, and some billums and Pacific handicraft around the shop. Wishful thinking for retirement, maybe, but I would love to introduce my Pacific heritage to my city through this cafe. You may think baking, handicrafts, and growing produce isn't critical work, but countless women in the Pacific are daring to create their own economic independence doing just that and more. I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about women's economic empowerment. What exactly does women's economic empowerment look like for us women in the Pacific? First, let me set the scene for you. While women make up half the population, according to the Asia Development Bank, we're poorly represented in the workforce. Just 34% of us are in the workforce in Fiji and only 29% in Samoa. Instead, most of us work in what's called the informal economy where we play a significant role in the agricultural production, selling fresh produce, and making and selling handicrafts. But over the past couple of decades, women have been taking the next step and turning these activities into really successful businesses. Whether they're micro, small, or medium-sized businesses, the impact on the women who run them is massive financial independence. Take a look at what's happening in Samoa, for example. A number of women farmers have banded together under the Women in Business Development Organization to grow and harvest coconuts and then produce cold compressed coconut oil. They've been supplying this oil to the international cosmetic company, The Body Shop, for more than a decade and are a great example of sisters joining forces to do big things. But sisters can also do it alone. Dorothy Devin Luana has been running her business DMS Organics in Papua New Guinea for seven years. She exports high-end spices and nuts like galip. We have processed the nuts into roasted nuts that we sell over the counter. That's the first product that we've developed. And the second product, galip cakes and bread. And the third product we've made is galip cookies. And into the future, we are anticipating uh, two more new products, the garlic paste, and the, the last product is uh, garlic oil. We spend a lot, a large portion of our income back into the business to do our own research and development. And all of this is uh, 100% funded by uh, myself and my family. That's really impressive. And not only are you doing gallop nuts, what else are you making uh, with your family? 
So the two products that we've moved into, apart from Galipa Helps and Spices and Honey, we've worked on those two products with farmers that are already established or are in the process of getting established uh, so that on our part, we're not working with a thousand farmers. We work with, say, for example, a lead farmer who already has created their own network of farmers and they have already established themselves as a focal point for the next level of business. And I believe very strongly that the effort that we are making through my small company can help support so many people that are out there. That's wonderful. And how did you first get drawn into running your own business? There were two things that happened in my life. Number one was that I I used to work previously in an office, but uh, over time I was getting sick and I was living a quality of life that was not conducive to my health. Then the second thing was that I kept looking around me and seeing people around me and wondering why we as Papua New Guineans were not taking hold and control of our own economy. So I decided to leave my job and try and see what I can do. Good on you. And what impact has running your own business had on your family and yourself? To be honest, I wish I was much younger. I should have been in my 30s to start the process because having gone down this track, I realized that the opportunities are endless. The impact has been fantastic in the sense that Uh, All the communities I have worked with, they have been benefited immensely from my operation because they're the first line of receiving cash. And this is hard cash that goes into their pockets. The second thing is that I think I have been able to influence the mindset of my family to think about self-employment as a way of satisfactorily running your life and being satisfied every day, going to sleep happy, knowing that you have done something useful. Uh, And then thirdly, which is a bonus, is that we now know how to run a business and we have the capacity to teach others. Being able to coach other Papua New Guineans into the entrepreneurship mindset, because it is easier for a Papua New Guinean to teach another Papua New Guinean than it is for an expatriate to teach a Papua New Guinean how to be business-minded. Because business acumen comes from inside. It's the passion that drives you to be who you are and what you are. And so when you are passing this knowledge on to to someone else, they want to know your story, where you came from and how you did it. And if they see that you can do it, it gives them that hope that they themselves can do it. That's lovely. And you said that, you know, age has caught up with you and... Um, you wish you started this early, but the way you are talking, you are empowering other young people as well. Does that give you some sort of satisfaction that um, you are empowering others to do what you're doing? When I started this whole process, one of the things I wanted to do was to challenge the status quo. There is a more direct way in which we can overcome some of our poverty issues. A lot of what we receive through foreign aid or even through government deemed as social services and uh, maybe cash and support that doesn't drive us to think for ourselves. 
we become very uh, complacent and have uh, an attitude of dependency. And my effort was all about how do we become genuinely independent and sustainable in the efforts that we we do for ourselves. So self-employment is a fantastic way for Papua New Guineans to take care of themselves because we don't have, you know, a welfare system here that pays for our bills, our education, our health, etc. The money that we as women and as mothers earn is what goes to pay for all our needs. Uh, and one of the things I want to do is to really go backwards and home in more specifically on garlic, garlic products and the garlic growing of the garlic industry. And yes, going back to going back home to East New Britain and in Kokopo, you started a marketplace for micro and small businesses, many of which are run by women. How does that work? To be honest, women, I would say, are the change makers. Women are going to be the ones that will change the face of economy for PNG. Up until now, uh, the economy of PNG has been riding on the leadership of men. And men do business in a way that is very different from women. When a man does business, I don't want to uh, say they're still our partners and our best friends, but their their style is very different. Uh, for women, when women do business, women think about people who are around them. We we are, I would say, social entrepreneurs. We we make money, but we want people around us to also make money. So with every step we move up in our game, we're also looking around us to see how other women are faring. So given this scenario and thinking about myself and where I am at this stage, one of the things that I have done in, is to help set up the small micro business branch here in East New Britain. And what pushed me to set this branch up is is for the very purpose that I spoke about, you know, me moving forward. I have to turn around now and see what my sisters are doing, where are they faring. So we have set up the, the branch here to enable more women and men to move from the informal sector to the formal sector. If we support women, women inevitably, there's no doubt about it, they will support their community. And they will support the network that is supporting them. You know, when I open my cafe, I will definitely want to sell Dorothy Devin Luana's gallop nuts and products there too. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. The COVID pandemic has had devastating consequences around the world and brought many businesses and industries to a halt. Pacific economies have had to change, but that's also opened up opportunities for women. That's the view of Maria Volovola, a business consultant in Fiji and former director of the Pacific Women in Business Conference. She's all about encouraging women to start a business. The micro business sector is a wide sector and any women can enter um, into that sector and undertake any type of business. It is something that they can easily get into and uh, there's not much restriction in there. And at the same time, in this sector, you know, women can bring their passion to it. And likewise, in terms of their creativity, in terms of the kind of services and products that they produce. 
So in view of the COVID pandemic that we are having now, and of course, a lot of perhaps women may be laid off from their formal work, the SME sector provides an opportunity for them to be engaged in a type of business that will be able to, to provide a source of living for their family. Around the Pacific, women are getting into all kinds of things, making bags, clothing, cooking food, growing vegetables and selling them. They're becoming so creative. Um, what difference is being able to make money from micro and small businesses uh, making in this, you know, in their lives? I, I think it's excellent. It's an opportunity for women to have a, a greater economic freedom. And uh, instead of working for someone, you are now your own boss you're able perhaps start to get more financial rewards. You can make more income than what you've you know, been able to, to do so. And at the same time, you know, when women engage in business, you can create that balance between family and you know, doing your business. You have more control of the work that you do and you are not dictated by the normal work environment. So apart from owning your business, there's a lot more flexibility uh, in what you can enjoy, you know, doing rather than be fully engaged on a nine-to-five job on a daily basis. And um, there are women in business organizations across the Pacific. Um, what are some of the projects that they've got off the ground? They are good in a number of ways, and because obviously for the purpose that they have been established for is to advocate for uh, women in business issues, you know, some of the challenges that they encounter, whether it's a business registration or business, or running of business, and the kind of regulations that may be imposed. They are also good in advocating for, you know, financial uh, support that is needed for the women's uh, group in that regard. And, and also, they are also responsible for the networking of women in business. So it's always good to get women uh, in business together, because when you do network, you know, a lot of partnership, a lot of new businesses are created too. when women get together. It's an opportunity for women to talk about the challenges that they face. And at the same time, they would encourage, you know, one another in that respect and also help each other. And Maria, what tips do you have for women listening now or think that like to start a micro business of their own? First of all, you know, if you have that, you know, idea, you have that passion and you have, you know, something that is different that, you know, no one else is doing, don't be shy to, to, to share your idea. If you need assistance or direction in respect of your, your own country, you can go to the Women in Business Association. Uh, you can even, you know, go to, the, to a bank. They would also will be able to guide you in terms of finance that you need. Or you can connect with another business woman that, uh, woman that you know that you'll be able to talk to, you can consult to, in how you can bring about the kind of business idea that, that you have. And it's good to talk to people. It's good to, to, to consult with others, you know. From then on, uh, depending on the type of business that you want to pursue, you may have easy registration relating to that. And depending on the kind of license that you need to, to acquire relating to that, you can go ahead and do that. Do not hold back. Same time, I would encourage you look at the market and, and just see what are the gaps that are there because those gaps, you know, they are business opportunities in that regard. And Maria, uh, to, just to wrap up, um, with women's uh, economic independence, is does that also empower women in the Pacific? Definitely. Uh, when you undertake business for, for women particularly, that's, that's empowering women. 
And when you have the conducive environment that allows women to undertake uh, business, uh, that's empowering women. And, and providing them with that, that economic independence. Maria Volovola is a business consultant in Fiji, and I'm so glad to hear about the support available for women in the Pacific to start up a business. It's pretty empowering, isn't it? Take those ideas of yours and get started, sisters. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Do you have a unique idea that you want to turn into a business, but it might be a little too left-filled? Quite often, the best ideas are the most unexpected. Or they can be taking something that's right in front of you and turning it into a unique handicraft. That's what Ellen Kalo has done in Vanuatu. She runs a small family business making vases out of cow horns. We use just a small knife, sandpaper, and now we are using tranda. First, we need to cut up our horns to straighten them and also the wood, as well as a small knife to clean inside of our horn and sandpaper. But we use our hands, so it, it takes time. Like half of the day or a full day, we would make one or two single passes, sometimes three. I might mention here that Ellen received a handicraft award for her car own products from the tourism office. I will attend the uh, training provided by the tourism department. It was a five-month training. And with that uh, training, at the end of the six months, we graduated from, from our training. And we were told at the end of our workshop that there's going to be this criteria that they wanted to select this product that each of us produced. There was this very big event. And that's when all the prices were being given for the and people of tourism was also announced, and that was when I, I was yeah announced as the winner for the handicraft in tourism. Wow! Congratulations! That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't expect to receive this award because we are very new in the business. We've never been in the market before. All along my life, I was working with the uh, Chaika organization, the Japanese government organization. I was in that for almost uh, twenty years. So I didn't expect to, you know, be in this uh, field until after I will be supported by the tourism department, and then here we go. And Helen, I'm just curious, where do you get your cow horns from to make yeah. your products? That's a good question because when I talk to people, they're always asking me this question: <laughs> Where do you, where do you get your cow horns from? Do you own a cattle? <laughs> no. <I> said, no. <laughs> Well, actually, we get them through the arrangement by my husband. As one as a lecturer, he has his students who come to study or train to become teachers. So they come from this largest island, which is Santo. And students from Santo, we make this connection with their families. And families connect this from, I don't know, push in Santo, and they send them over to us in Otila. Oh, I see. So you buy the yes. ones from uh, local uh, ranchers or farmers? Yes. We The first time when we started, we realized, or oh, we discovered that poor young cows, corn is uh, not not good. For example, uh, after we collected them, we buried them in the ground. Then after two weeks, pick up these horns to see whether they are all right or not, but no good. They shrink. So we decided not to buy from uh, butchery. Oh, I see. 
Yes, so we make our connection with our local suppliers through our students and also through our families. And we also tell people from public, like, if you have any horns, which is strong, yeah, of course, we buy horns. So every now and then, people are coming, oh, Helen, we have some horns. Are you interested? (laughs) 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 But actually, yes, the main island that we get the horns from is Santo and Malakula. So with the border closures, are are you still targeting local market and preparing for when the borders open up? We do. Well, we are thankful to our tourism department here and our CDO office, one of the tourism office. There's so much information from them supporting local tourism. They say buy local, support local, and we go along with them. We all understand. I can, Ellen, I can see one of the photos from your stall at the Handicraft Market. Your products are amazing. It's just beautiful. What Very creative, and I can see one of the owns. The, it's, it's on a sort of wooden uh, platform and it's vanished and it's so beautiful. Well done. And I just wanted to finish off. What is your ultimate goal with your business, Alan? Our goal is to have a workshop where we stop them in a safe place from rain and heat. And that's what our goal really is. How can we improve or increase our sales? I really feel for the handicrafters who've had to rethink their businesses during the COVID pandemic. And I wish Ellen Kahlo all the best with their cow-owned buses. So as we just heard, COVID has meant many women have had to pivot their businesses. For other women, COVID has meant they've actually had to start a business to support themselves and their families. Like Don Pickering and her cousin Natasha Brim in Fiji. Don worked for Fiji Airways for 27 years and she was terminated along with 700 others when the international borders closed. Don and Natasha are resourceful women. They now have their own business, which is called K Rao. So when we lost our jobs last year, we had a couple of months off to kind of gather our thoughts and then we decided that because Fijians, we love our food, so we thought maybe we'd just start a food business. We didn't realize it would be as popular as it is now. Wow. I mean, we all Pacific Islanders love our food. (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And... why, why did you think going into food would be something that would keep you going? It's just something that we, you know, we, we cook a lot for our families and a, and a lot of our recipes are basically the things that we used to make for our families, like the, our chocolate cake mix. We've been making and baking birthday cakes for our children for years. So that was one of the first items that we basically shared with everyone else and started selling. And um, what difference is being able to make money uh, made to you and your family after losing your job? Oh, it's great because, you know, it's very hard to find, especially in the western side of the island, because we rely so much. Majority of the jobs here are tourism-based. So when that all shut down, we have to now focus on our local market and trying to see what people want to buy from there. So it's good. It's good to have money to pay bills, that's for sure. Yes. And what are the biggest challenges you face in setting up a business from scratch? Um, I would say the biggest challenge is for us would have been to get like containers 
or product like packaging. That that was our initial biggest setback was packaging, stickers and all of that sort of thing. It's pretty limited what we have in Fiji, so we have to import some stuff. Like if you want really nice packaging, you have to import it from overseas, and that takes a lot of money. And what do you love most about running your small business? Working with Natasha and also just being your own boss, which I have never been in my life. (laughs) I've always worked for either Fiji Airways or another company when I was younger. Yeah, so being your own boss is pretty good. And do you see that as a long-term thing or you'd rather go back to your full-time job after, you know, everything returns back to normal? Um, Having done this now for just on a year, one year, I don't think I could go back into corporate world again like I was with Fiji Airways. I quite like where this is going and seeing where it's going to take us. Good on you. And what advice do you have for other women who could be in a similar situation as yourself with COVID and everything who have an idea to start a small business? I would say just go for it. Talk to other ladies that you know, which is a lot of our information that we've gotten um, is from other ladies, like at the markets that we used to sell at. And just people are more than willing to share their ideas and help and tips. Yeah, even some of our customers have come back and given us tips and, you know, funding ideas. Yeah, just talk and be open and ask as many questions from others that you can. Is there government support for small businesses such as yourself to um, set yourself up and do business? It's it's made much easier now for the government, like to register your business is much easier now than it used to be and you can... Register online, register your name online, and then get your TIN number. So it's pretty easy for a very small business to start up now. What's one of your favorite uh, with your customers that you've made so far? Oh, wow. um, We have a lot of customers that come back. So we have one particular customer who loves hummus. Like he can buy maybe four or six at a time, and he's tried all of our hummus. So he's, he's one of our top hummus buyers I would say but yeah different people like different things some people don't like hummus but they love pesto so they buy our pesto all the time or our eggplant pickle and those are family recipes and recipes you've known for a long time or do you improvise as you go along Uh, the cake mix was our both Tasha and I's family recipe for years the buying and pickle was from a very good friend of mine she shared her family recipe. And then the hummus and the pestos, we went online and then we did a lot of taste testing. Awesome. Do you use social media as well to market your stuff and get customers to see what you're doing? Yeah, so social media is very big. So if you don't go on social media, you miss out on a lot of potential customers. So we sell a lot of our things. As soon as we post something, then we notice a sales spike on that particular product and we're getting orders online. I can't wait for Don Pickering and Ekas and Natasha to start shipping their dips and cake mixes overseas so I can sample some K-Rao goodies firsthand. One thing that resonates talking with all these businesswomen running micro and small businesses is that they just follow their passion. Being small has its benefits, 
These women have creative freedom, opportunities to learn, good work-life balance, financial independence, and they have proven their adaptability during a global pandemic. Dorothy really captured it when she said that women are going to be the ones that will change the face of our economies. I have to agree. Thank you so much for joining me, Hilda Wayne, for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia, a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, we're also a podcast. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, period poverty. When fathers are the main breadwinners in the household, it places a very challenging position for girls to have access to funds to pay for their sanitary products or commodities. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Amanda Donaghy. Our supervising producer is Inga Stunzner. Executive producer is Justine Kelly. And our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. Emtasol na bungim you next time.